Your love to me is now, it is something different. It is my life, and if things should go badly with us, I shall always have this past year to look back upon and feel that then I lived. I never did before, and I never shall again. Sounds lovely. Sweet, even. Romance. Love. But sometimes these things don't end so well. Especially not on this show. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. How's your week been, buddy? Um, it's been, it's been good. It's been a nice first week after, you know, school's done. I got all my papers graded, so that's off my plates, and got all my grades submitted. It just, it feels like a nice closing to the chapter of the semester, and then I just, like, dove, whole, dove wholeheartedly into research mode for this week. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's been good. Um, I have this thing with uh, with my mom where every um, couple years when we need to get our licenses renewed, we go together. Um, and I don't know how it is in other states, but in Pennsylvania, your license expires um, on or near your birthday. And... Her birthdays are, are several months apart, but she always procrastinates <laughs> until right around the time that I'm ready to get my license renewed. And so we'll, we'll just go up together. And another thing with my license is that I'm absurdly vain about it. Because I had a really good license picture once in college. See, I know, this is weird. That surprises me. You've never struck me as like a vain person in any regard but your license photo yes one photo that you're supposed to look horrible in and that nobody really ever sees right like i'm gonna pull this thing out of my wallet like four times in the next four years they they design it to be horrible because you sit there and like you know you strike a little bit of a pose a smile don't smile okay i'm (laughs) still getting post no chin chin forward okay no no look down look down (laughs) eyes forward eyes forward eyes forward and all of a sudden it's like your your chin's against the tip of your chest Mm -hmm. and you're looking over the edge of your brow like you're some sort of and you're not allowed to smile but you're trying not to smile and make it smile at the same time and you just end up looking like a pedophile outside of the kindergarten (laughs) They always let me smile. I don't know what you're doing wrong. Maybe just me. Well, no, the thing is, is that when I was in college, I got a really good license picture taken. It just so happened it was a day that I was, like, dressed up for work. My hair was looking good. And I showed it to my family when I got home. And my sister was like, how do you look like a supermodel when I look like I'm putting in a big wad of chew? And my mom is like, do you think I can call the DMV and get this in an 8x10? Like, it was it was that good. And and then I lost that license. No. I left my purse on top of my car, and it was a purple velvet purse, too. No. So everything was horrible. And so, yeah, um, I uh, ever since then, I, I, I primp for it. I, I make sure my hair's all curled, I do my makeup, my lipstick's on, and I, I wear lipstick maybe, like, on one date night a month, so... I'm looking at my driver's license photo right now, and honestly, I look like an Italian hitman. <laughs> like, like the name might as well be Tommy Two Legs Taglione <laughs> on see. this thing. Like, <laughs> oh, yes, you do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Middle-aged hitman, Tommy Two Legs Taglione. Well, the thing is, is that I had to do this two days in a row 
because we went up the first day and uh, their systems were down. We stayed around for 40 minutes, which most people you're saying, oh, DMV 40 minutes, that's nothing. But our DMV is really fast. I was surprised. Like, I was I was stunned. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely you're stunned. You're in and you're out usually. Yeah. And But I guess with the real ID thing and then, of course, with their systems being down... Um, so, you know, all dressed up and the, you know, I didn't get my picture taken. The only thing I ended up doing was going to get my allergy shots. So everybody at the allergy clinic got to see my pretty curly hair. Right on. So then I had to do it a second time the next day. And we managed to get our licenses that day. So that was good. But nice. it was, it was, it was an ordeal, more of an ordeal than it usually is. It was more like it is in other places. <laughs> this is one of the few things we have going for us. Our DMV is great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking for a happy ending... It's not here. It's you won't find no. it here. No. I guess, yeah, the happy ending is the fact that this isn't happening to you. And the moral of the story is there is no moral to this yeah. story. This is just something really fucking horrible that happened. And honestly, like, I'm looking through all this. There's no good guy in this. Not really, Everybody's no. Everybody's kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, the story of Edith Thompson and uh, her husband, Percy Thompson. And then... <laughs> Mr. Excitement. Mr. Excitement, yes. Whenever the Wikipedia article about you calls you plain and boring, <laughs> that's whenever you know. This man is a walking can of paint just forcing people to watch it dry. <laughs> this was... And yeah. she was a bit of a firecracker. Oh, yeah. So it did not seem like a great match. But then she found another firecracker, mm -hmm. one by the name of uh, Freddie Bywaters. Yeah. Now, like you said, Edith. Yeah, a bit of a firecracker. She was born December 25th, Christmas, 1893, which is always a fucking... You're screwed right from the get-go, as far as I'm concerned. If you're Christmas. born on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just celebrate your birthday in June. <laughs> Her father was William Eustace Graydon. Ah, uh, Eustace. Eustace. Uh, he was a clerk with the Imperial Tobacco Company. Her mother, Ethel, was the daughter of the police constable mm -hmm. in town. So it's kind of weird. It's like, goes from justice to, to crime right here. And you're right. She was happy. She was talented. She was, she did dancing. She was very good at acting. And quite the mathematical genius on yeah. top of that, too. Yeah, she very much excelled in business, actually. She had uh, she had a career. She had a, a like, you know, she and she was in management. Um, she started working at 15, and then she learned bookkeeping. Mm -hmm. she, she, you know, she wanted to raise herself up. This was very much an age, and this was in England, I, I feel we should note. Um, and this was very much an age when, you know, the, things were changing where they, the people no longer had to be tenants, you know, they could actually, like, like the common people could own property. Mm -hmm. So there was this new, and the, the book that I read, uh, which I'll reference the name later, but it referred to the, this class of people that are, you know, like rising up as the new aspirants. And she was, she was one of them. She, uh, she learned bookkeeping and then got a job at a, a wholesale milliner, which a milliner, they make hats for anybody who doesn't know, called Carlton and Pryor at age 18. This is, this is somebody... And remember, this is late 1800s, early 1900s. Well, I guess it would have been, let's see, she was 28 in 1922. So, yeah, it would have been early 1900s. It was, it was just um, during World War I. Right. So this is still a time 
whenever women are not really looked upon as complete citizens. Mm -hmm. This is somebody who I feel if Edith would have been born now, she would have ended up being the head of a corporation. Or a social media influencer. Yeah. But yeah, something, absolutely. yeah, something like that. Something that requires some like savvy. Um, although sometimes now, maybe not. I'm trying to find the right career for her. Actually, no, she would have been a writer. You think she? So? She would have been a writer for sure. She, she had that talent in her. Um, if if you compare her letters to the the few that we have of Freddie's, uh, you you know you can see the, the difference. And he eventually starts like aping her style, mm -hmm. sort of. So, so yeah, but she was, she was very, very talented. Um, she became a buyer at Carlton and Pryor. She was making six pounds a week plus bonuses. Ooh. And that comes out to, in 2018 dollars, uh, the Bank of England has a wonderful website where you can, like, translate dollars then or pounds then to pounds now. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's fantastic. It's very well done. Um, 334 pounds uh, in... 2018, which is $435 for our U.S. listeners. She's making more than I do right now. Yeah, that's per week. She was making more than her husband. Yeah. A little bit more, but still. Um, that was definitely, definitely not the name of the game in those See, days. I felt she would she would have been in, uh, the head of a company. I felt she would have been an actor. You know, if she if, if it would be the entertainment field, I, I feel like an actor is possible. An actor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She did tend to have like a sort of a dreamy quality to her, um, but yeah, this is this was a time when um, one in three women worked, but only one in ten married women worked, mm -hmm. and she was married, so it wasn't the norm. So she, you know, they they bought a house. Uh, she she and her husband Percy, and uh, you know, they, they were the the new social class, you know, like rising above where their parents had been. Percy. Percy. Fucking Percy. Percy. You wet blanket of a human being. I it's... literally, on my index card, have um, three lines about him. And this isn't one of those big index cards either. These are just the, the little ones. <laughs> um, his father died pretty young. Um, it seems like it was probably, in, his father probably died in his 40s. Um, and he, he did grow up in, in pretty abject poverty. It was not it was not a pretty picture at all. Um, so he, like a lot of a lot of boys did at the time, he left school at 13 and got work with a shipping company. And then uh, eventually he and um, he and Edith married. My dad did the same thing. He left school, I think, at the age of 12 and became a coal miner. I'm not sure when my dad. I, I know my dad started work pretty early, but his father um, owned a dairy. Um, okay. It was the the Baxter Dairy in New York State. We have some Baxter Dairy bottles from, from way back in the day. Nice. Still a little mad at our friend Joel, whose father has a really good one that will not... Because he collects them. The fuck, Joel? Right? Jesus. Joel, actually, more like Joel's father. Joel asked his dad. What the fuck, Joel's father? <laughs> I think it was Joel's dad and not his father-in-law, but... You got the Baxter right here. I know, right? This should be, it, it by name belongs to me. Yeah, here's the thing, Joel's father, <laughs> if you're listening, and I fucking know you are, <laughs> let Christy and Jackson... Buy the fucking bottle. They'll sign it. <laughs> yeah. They'll sign it. And then, like, I don't know, they'll will it to you if they die or something. Yeah. You know? Well, I would give it to, to my dad. There you go. My dad, he 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 thinks he has a lot of them, but not all. There's some that's still out there in private collections. Yes, there are people who have private collections of milk bottles. So I know this. <laughs> I absolutely know this. 
I'm not, and the thing, the thing is, I'm not surprised that there are bottle collectors. I'm surprised that I know that there are bottle yeah. collectors. Yeah. So my dad, uh, he would, he would actually, he was a milkman um, in his early days. I'm not sure what when he started working exactly, but that that became a, a funny joke that I did not understand and really threw me off when when someone commented to my mom. You know, oh, the neighbor's kid looks a lot like Stephen. No, it was, it, was, it was more like, uh, you know, oh, you know, Christy looks a lot like you. She doesn't have any of her father in me, which this woman was full of shit. Mm-hmm. I'm my father's face on a girl's body <laughs> with long blonde hair. <laughs> like, I'm my mom I'm, with a beard. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I have my dad's nose. I have his lips. I have his eyes. I have his ears. I have I, I, everything about me is my dad. So it was a weird comment to make, but. Um, and my mom just goes, oh, well, she's the milkman's daughter. And I'm standing there like the age of like 11 and I kind of understand this, but I also, also I'm like, what? Like, like did this huge family secret just get divulged to me? Tab A and slot B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And mom just, she noticed my panic. I was, I was like, what does that mean? She's like, no, honey, your dad, he really actually was a milkman. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Panic eased. So well, yeah, they were they were really really successful. Mm-hmm. Really successful. They were they, a good successful company. They're they, they were a power couple. Yeah. yeah. They were they a were, power couple. Um, they were still you know solidly like middle class, but they had you know friends, or at least they had Edith's friends. <laughs> it didn't seem like Percy had a whole lot that he brought into the relationship. I think Percy, like once again. Edith today would have been successful, well-liked. Percy today would have been successful, but I see him going into IT because it does seem like there's some low-level Asperger's going on there with Percy. Something like that. Something. Yeah. He had some weird things where he was... he Didn't understand social cues. And was just kind of like a hypochondriac. I don't know. Mm. That, that's, I don't think that's necessarily an Asperger's thing or anything, but he just... He, there was something... There was something that made him not fit into society. Yeah, and I think now that I'm saying it out loud, I think that maybe is what attracted Edith to him in the first place. He was doing something. She thinks it's cute. She doesn't realize that's him. Well, they um, she was only 15 when they met. They met in 1909, and then they had a six-year engagement, during which time he briefly was in the military for the the war, and then managed to get out with his heart condition. And I'm heart condition putting some air quotes around mm-hmm. that because it seems from from my research it seems like this this was not really a thing and then even the autopsy bore that out spoilers um, <laughs> come you on knew somebody was going to die yeah pretty yeah. much so uh so yeah it was very uh and and he was he was, he was always complaining of heart attacks like this is even referenced in some of her letters so he was like heart attacks he was like fred sanford yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Edith, I'm coming. <laughs> oh dear. Oh man, they, yeah, the couple was very successful. They were a power couple. Think, think those couples that they have billboards. We'll sell your house. You know, it's yeah, it's it's that kind of deal. But then in 1920, the couple becomes friends with one Frederick Bywaters. Yes. Now here's the weird thing. She had actually met him. Whenever he was nine. Yeah, he was a friend of her, like a school friend of her brother's. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it was, he was 18, she was 26, 
and instantly moist. <laughs> oh, for Frederick Bywaters. And who can blame her? Who can blame her? You're starting to look at your life, and you look to your right, and you see Percy, who is probably spilling tea down the front <laughs> of his shirt and complaining on and on about the weather, and whose idea of kinky is like reading the newspaper before he sees you naked. That's kinky to him. And then you have Frederick Bywaters, a man who has lived... Like, he's he's in the Merchant Navy. He's traveled the world. Yeah, all he's, over the place. He's essentially... Those men's magazine covers from the 50s where, like, a guy is swinging one weasel fighting off 20 other weasels. Yeah. He's living that life. Mm -hmm. Any woman, I think any woman would have looked at Frederick Bywaters and went, Mm-hmm. Gonna break me off a slice of Frederick. So, oh, yeah, it was... She was 21 and he was 13. Oh, when okay. They, yeah, that's, that's according to my... See, yeah. I had, it, mine, it was that podcast. I'm not going to say the name of the podcast because I don't like throwing shit at people, but this was an annoying podcast. <laughs> I played, and you know what? I, I garner, yes, maybe we're annoying to people too, but I thought it was annoying. I was driving whenever I was listening to it. It was only 25 minutes long and I was tempted to pull over on the highway <laughs> just to turn it off. I let Christy listen to... 30 seconds of it, and she's like, yeah, no, turn it off. <laughs> We're, done. We're done. Don't you bring that shit into my house again. <laughs> and then she slapped me hard on the face. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about Freddy is that not only did he command the attentions of Edith, but he had also been sort of at attached to her sister Avis. Mm -hmm. Not the car rental company. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, and uh, the, the, the four of them, so this would be Percy and Edith, uh, along with Freddie and Avis, uh, went on a um, holiday together. To the Isle of Wight. Mm -hmm. Now, myself, not my favorite English island. My favorite's the Isle of Lucy. <laughs> but the Isle of Wight, it's... <laughs> We're just going to take a second. We're going to just listen to Christy laugh here for a little bit. I'm so self-conscious about that. <laughs> okay, breaths, breathing is good, air, oxygen is. is necessary for yeah. life. They go on vacation to the Isle of Wight. <laughs> there it comes again. I'm just going to keep talking while Christy composes herself here for a second. And they have a grand old time. Edith is hanging all over Bywaters. Mm -hmm. the, the way that, the creepy kind of way... I don't know if you've ever seen An Evening with Kevin Smith, too. The creepy way Jason Mewes is kind of hanging <laughs> on Kevin Smith's wife. Ah. In that. That's kind of the... And of course, Percy pulls at Kevin Smith and goes, Hey, uh... Hey there, Fred. Why don't you come live with us? Yeah. What the yeah. fuck? Why? And I should I should note that there's um, also a picture that I could not find. It's referenced in this book. It's not in this book, which frustrated me so much. And then I couldn't find it anywhere online. But there's a picture from this this, this holiday where it's basically Percy and Edith sitting side by side, and Freddie with his head in her lap, <sighs> like. <laughs> This is there. pushing it. You enjoying the odor of my wife's hot, tepid vagina? <laughs> Why don't you come live with us? Yeah. And I should note, um, just for my source, because I've read the whole book, um, this is A Tale of Two Murders, Guilt, Innocence, and the 
well, not to spoil anything else, execution of Edith Thompson by Laura Thompson. Wait, is there a relation there? <laughs> Shit. Um, Dear Laura. I didn't notice that. Uh, but so, yeah, it was definitely, yeah, and, and he invited, he, he basically on the, on the train ride back, it seems like, or sometime, you know, on their way back, oh, you can try and find it, you will not find oh, it. No. I'm just looking at these pictures. Bywaters was really a man of leisure. Like he's like here I am. I'm just kind of relaxing. Oh yeah, we're gonna and we're gonna post these pictures on our social media because they're one of these pictures is is half the reason that I, I chose to do this. I, I watched the murder maps mm-hmm. for it and saw that picture and I was like, oh that is fantastic. Is it it's so one? evocative. It's it, it was the first one actually. It was okay. the, the the one where Edith is in the middle. Yeah, and she's in the middle of the two of them, and that picture just it it it, it says so much right there, and her the expression on her face is also very. Um, oh, I don't even know how to phrase it. It's, it's, it's got a Mona Lisa quality, except without the smile. Yeah, she's... There's something there. Mm-hmm. There's something there. I wouldn't call her... I wouldn't call Edith classically attractive, but I would say she's like girl next door, smoking fucking hot. And she also, it seems like it, um, she had a very changeable face as far as photographs were concerned. Um she seems to. She tends to look a little bit different in every single one. Yeah. Uh, some of us look horrible in all of them. I I one time challenged Lisa to take a good picture of me because she was like, "You look really great. I should take a picture." We were we were on vacation, and I was like, "Oh yeah, go ahead, try." And maybe this is also where my license thing kicks in. And she just took picture after picture, and she was like, "Horrible, horrible, horrible." I was like, "Welcome to my life." Yeah, I don't take a good picture simply because I'm ugly. He is not. I am. <laughs> I look like a thumb with bifocals and a beard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Christ. (laughs) He does not look like a thumb. I totally do. It's it's weird. You can see, like, in the photos. Yeah, you can see see her her draw, which some people didn't feel at all, especially the the older men of the court that she would have to deal with later, asshole judge. Um, but she definitely had that draw, and she had a, a little bit of a, a wild streak in her. Not not a huge one, but definitely for the day, I mean, aside from the fact that she was, you know, blatantly cheating on her husband, she would do things like um, she, she kind of pushed her luck by trying on, I guess they had hats specifically for widows mm-hmm. at the milliner's at Carlton and Pryor, and she she put those on and was, like, prancing about, which was supposed to be, you know, bad luck. You're basically asking for trouble, which, um, when you find out how the story ends, you start to wonder if maybe there might be something to that superstition. Yeah. She was, like, randomly climbing trees. Um, and she, she seemed to, in her letters, you can't really be sure of when she's telling the truth or not. Yeah. There's a lot of question to that. If... If I were casting a movie about this, and there have been movies made about this, mm-hmm. I would have the guy that played Julian Bashir on Star Trek Deep Space Nine play Bywaters. No idea who that is. <laughs> okay. we will. I will show you images here. Okay. So I would have him play Bywaters. I'm trying to think of my gonna... casting. So yeah, there's Julian Bashir. Oh, perfect I see it. Bywater. I see it. I yeah, see perfect it. Perfect Bywaters. Then the girl that played Barb on uh, Stranger Things as Edith. I can see it in the facial structure, but I'm going to need to see more... Of her acting. Yeah, more yeah. of her acting. I'm going to see more like, like acting that's not so like um, sort of subdued. I need actually... What I think I need 
is okay. Um, who's the um, the girl on Stranger Things? Obviously not Millie uh, Bobby Brown. Not not her. No. Um, but the the older one. Oh, uh, Winona Ryder. No, in between, <laughs> the one that's Barb's friend. Oh, uh, the skinny girl with the hair. The skinny girl with the hair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, looking it up. We're just all over IMDb. That's okay. Um, That's okay. Natalia Dyer. Okay. Okay. Some of the attitude that she has, um, less of the, well, maybe some of the pensiveness and the seriousness, um, along with, and then uh, the actress that played Barb, her appearance. So, so yeah, I would want the the combination of those. And then, as soon as I show you this picture, you're going to go, of fucking course. Okay. As Percy, Clancy Brown. All right, let me see. Boom. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. For yeah. sure, for sure, for sure. That's Mr. Krabs. That's the guy <laughs> who does really? the voice for Mr. Krabs. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and he was the he was in the Highlander. He was the Kurgan in the original Highlander movie. I am not good at casting, so I'm just looking at the most popular celebs and I'm not coming up with anybody. It's going to have um, to this be is your Barb. Thing. <laughs> it's going to have to be Barb from Stranger Things. Let's see here. Barb I swear to God, the first thing that comes up. My computer's listening to me, everybody. It's conspiracy. Barb from Stranger Things. Yeah, she has the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. she absolutely has the right face and the the right structure to her face. Absolutely. Just need to see that attitude. Yeah, cause uh, cause she was like I, I really feel Edith, you know, firecracker. Absolutely. She had her her moments of um of of pensiveness of melancholy. Um, but she, she seemed very, she was very social, um, and she just went her own way, <laughs> and that was very evident in the, the relationship that, that she and, and Freddie had. Um, so yeah, they basically, it, it's a little unclear exactly how it happened, whose idea it was. You can kind of think that maybe, it's like... It's both their ideas. It's the, the... You it's... mean both Percy and Edith? Oh no! I was I was thinking you were talking about the affair. Oh no no no! The the moving in the moving in. Oh the moving in. Yeah, I feel like it was kind of like you know like Edith and Freddie came up with it, and then they kind of like manipulated Percy into it. But Percy still had this idea that Freddie, you know, was just just yeah, he's a great chap, you know, (laughs) he's a fine young man, strapping young man. Chiseled jaw and the muscular chest and the world weary eyes and just God, I'd love to fuck him. <laughs> Percy, no, Percy. The other half of Percy's brain slaps and goes, "You stop that boner right now, Percy. Go have yourself some tea." This is England, nineteen twenties. Be boring. Be boring. The Queen demands it, or King. I forget which one we had at the time. It would have been. Uh, it would have been. Uh, Archduke Ferdinand. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Um, That's something we should do a show on: the assassination. Of oh yes, I had thought of that, but I hadn't put it in the in in the notes yet, but or in the on the list. But yes, absolutely. Um, I think I have it in the. I think it was Queen Mary okay. at the time. Um, that sounds right. And then yeah, I think it, I think it was Queen Mary at the time. We're not writing a historical novel. We'll no. just go with that. <laughs> Thank God. I wrote one historical Susan. short story and it was the death of me. Um, so yeah, they they sort of invite him to live with them or some of them, you know, the half of the couple. It, it just happens. Fred moves into the house. Fred then moves into Edith. Basically. It yeah. was about, uh, he was he was renting their spare room for just five pounds a month. Kid didn't make much. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, he, he seemed to do well with what he had, but he, he, he wasn't making a huge, I didn't write it down, sorry, but um, it wasn't like it was anything spectacular like right. Edith's salary was. Um, yeah, about nine days later, uh, he, he moved in on the 18th of June and uh, the 27th of June, they became lovers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, that actually became official. Yeah. <laughs> it official. seemed like it was secret in official. the offing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Percy discovers the affair. Boom. There is a quarrel. Oh, yes. And bad one. Fred, Fred, in his 18-year-old brain, goes, well, just divorce her. I mean, he was 19 at this time. He, oh. He turned... Yeah, that makes all the world of difference. He turned 19 that summer. Okay. Um, but he turned into a man. And almost, I think it was kind of on their, like, what they considered their anniversary. Their their anniversary uh, was on, on January 15th of 1916. So, uh, that was Percy and Edith. So, yeah, there was a big... Big quarrel. Um, and it started because of a pin. Because of a, they're sitting, you know, they're sitting out in the in the garden, and you know, Edith's probably doing some sewing, and she says, Oh, you know, I, I need a pin. And Freddie hopped too, you know, like he's like, Oh, I'll go get it. And that just set Percy right off. I, you know, so, something had obviously been simmering. He'd started mm-hmm. to see or feel or, you know, understand that something was wrong. Because they couldn't have possibly hit it. This was in August. This was in August 1st. So it's been going on for a month in his own house. Um, and at one point in time, Edith took uh, a week off from work. Or 10 days off from work. And so they would basically spend that time together, uh, Edith and Freddie, and then Percy comes home from work. And so you have the questions like, did Percy notice that she you know, didn't get any salary for that mm-hmm. week? Did he notice... Two people a little bit suspiciously glowing mm-hmm. <laughs> when he came home from work. What have you two been doing? Oh, exercising. <laughs> We've just been running around the garden. We're being adults. I swore that I wouldn't attempt even the half-assed English accent, and here I am. Come on. You got to. That, what is that's that? Not, that's uh, <laughs> my accent is on demo. That's Thank you very much. Scott Australian. Scott Australian. <laughs> that's absolutely Scottistani. <laughs> So, so yeah, Percy freaks the fuck out, and he, you know, they, they take the fight inside, uh, Percy and Edith do, and Freddy stays outside for the moment. Uh, he, Percy threw Edith across the morning room. Yeah. It's just as an aside, can we bring back the time when morning rooms were a thing? I still don't exactly know what their function is, but I would like to say I have one. I guess I could just name any room in my house that. Find out what a morning room is. Is it just where you have breakfast? Is it like a breakfast room? Morning room. See, I have a viewing room in my house. Of course you do. You live in a Victorian mansion. That's right. I I feel like I, I might have a morning room, but I don't realize it. <laughs> you probably do. Yeah. Uh, it's a general purpose room for family activities. Oh, so sort of like a family room, a den, something like so that. I have a room. A rumpus room. I have a room that has a pool table and a foosball table. I have a morning you room. You have a morning room. I just didn't realize it. <laughs> I guess our living room is our morning room. I don't know. I'm going to start calling it that. Maybe the deck. It's not a room, but I can pretend. Mm. So, so yeah. Um, you know, Percy hit her. He threw her across the room. She had, um, let me find my abuse, there it is. Um, Your abuse card? Yes, literally, at the, <laughs> the title, it's abuse. She actually has a card that's titled abuse yep. at the top. 
Please take a photo of that and post it on the Facebook page. Absolutely, I will. So, um, yeah, a witness who was, well, their tenant. So this is this is super uncomfortable as far as this living situation is concerned. You've got the, the couple, you've got the, the boy on the side, the, the, the boy toy, or as the, the, the book I read, because it was a, written, I assume, by a British woman, Toy Boy. Oh, I <laughs> the, like the that toy so boy. much better. I know, right? Yeah. The Toy Boy on the side. He's a right nice toy boy. And then you have uh, Mrs. Lester. Who seemed to want her, her no, nose was in everything. No. Absolutely, Mrs. Mrs. Lester, Mrs. Lester. Jesus Christ. Yep. This I shit this you is not one bit. This is made up. Mrs. Lester. This is all fiction. And she was she was a Mrs. Lester, definitely. She always had her nose and everything. And this she, is like the moon landing, completely fake, and now we believe it. <laughs> I have it in print. That means it's true, Scott. Yeah, so is the Bible. Don't believe everything you read. <laughs> so am I going to hell? <laughs> Save me a seat. <laughs> awesome. If you get there first, I probably will. <laughs> I'm older and much less healthy. I, I smoke a lot. <laughs> I do have. I do have something coming up on the eighth. I go back to the doctor. Is this about going? Because <laughs> I'm this, scared now. Maybe I'm scared now. Maybe <laughs> on the eighth, I go back to the doctor and start the whole weight loss surgery program. Oh. Again. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. That's very exciting. So, yeah, that's that's my big news for the week. Not to, not to interrupt you. Know, this <laughs> lovely story of two star-crossed lovers yes. doesn't end well. <laughs> I mean, it's like, going to get bad. Think about the worst way a hanging can go, and then make well, it even worse. We'll see. <laughs> I have some things to say. We'll have a discussion about that, but we'll get there. Whenever you can't legitimately tally, and spoiler alert, everybody dies. Yeah. Whenever you cannot legitimately tally up, was it two people that were executed? Was it three? Possibly four. <laughs> I'm telling you. We'll get there, and I'm going to tell you. Fair enough. Tell In the me. meantime, let's talk tell about me. my abuse card. No, I don't want to talk about it. I know. Uh, well, I don't, we don't want to talk about either of those things, really. I don't like the thought. And yet here we are on a podcast. Yeah. yeah so. Percy deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> Victim blaming much. No, he did. I think, but I think really what it comes down to is you're, you're, no, nobody deserves to die that way. That is, that is my stance. Nobody, I, I, I you know, I said it about um, Ambrose. I always want to say Ambrose Pierce. Pierce. Uh, Ambrose Small. Ambrose Small. Yeah. Um, e- even if he was, you know, womanizer, whatever, you know, and even abuse. Abuse shouldn't come with a death sentence. It's it's a shitty thing to do, and it should definitely come with some jail time yeah. and some punishment, but it shouldn't come with a death sentence. I secede to that. Thank I you. I to that. Yeah. It, it, but, but when you hear about somebody doing this to a woman, it does make you, it in, gives you that, that, yeah. that, that fury where you're like, fuck you, dude. In the moment. What you, the fuck? Yeah, in the moment. And that's exactly where I was. I'm like a puppy. I'm living in the moment. <laughs> in that moment, I, yes, <laughs> I want to see Percy dead. You're, you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're running over and grabbing his pants leg in your teeth. And, grrr, grrr. And, oh, I would. I would. <laughs> and I don't know why Bywaters didn't. Yeah, well. He, <laughs> he did come in. Basically, Percy threw Edith a, a kind of across the room. She hit like a chair and a sideboard of some kind, I think. And a witness the next day, Mrs. Lester actually, said that her arm was black from shoulder to elbow. Well, now, at one point, uh, Bywaters said that, you know, Percy struck Edith in the face. Mm-hmm. Closed fist. Yeah. Struck her in the face. Yeah. Previously, uh, Percy and Edith had lived with Percy's brother-in-law and, and his family. 
And it seems like they had a physical argument, Percy and Edith did, and that's why they moved out earlier in their marriage. So this was not the first. This didn't seem like it was the beginning. It wasn't, you know, Freddie's presence. It seems like it happened prior to this for whatever reason. So not that, you know, asshole abusers apparently don't need a reason. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, that was, you know, this was a thing that, that was happening. And... Freddie rushes in, and this is this was this is a really weird day and evening. It was weird even reading about it because I could not picture it in my mind, and I could not quite grasp the surrealness that must be there. Because they basically Percy threw Freddie out. He was like, you know, get get out. You're, you know, fucking my wife. <laughs> Go away. Shoo. Shoo. You look the pest. Back. Freddie left without any of his belongings. And then somehow they all three later reconvened. And probably at a pub would be the best guess. Like, the, there's no real record of it or, or anybody saying where. But one best guess would be they, they all, all three went to a pub. That sounds like the English thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Where they proceeded to sit and discuss the idea of Percy and Edith separating or divorcing. In the end, it's unclear whether Percy wouldn't agree to it, whether Edith, you know, kind of demurred and said that she would, you know, prefer not to, because it was... It was still very um, much not the done thing. This is a um, country, commonwealth, I don't know, 40 million population at about that time. Only 800 divorces a year. It was still very hugely stigmatized, and you had to... um, In 1923, so after all the events that we're going to discuss, laws changed. Before that, women needed a second reason besides infidelity, oh like incest or, you know, something along those lines. Even there was in 1922, there was a woman who tried to divorce her husband who was sent to Broadmoor, which is a high security psychiatric hospital. And she was denied. That's some like, That's what? weird. And then... You had, after the, just an interesting little side note, with the uh, the law change in 1923, you then had, basically, um, women would allow their husbands to go off with a girl, get some evidence of it, and then they could get a divorce, because as soon as they had proof of infidelity, they could get that divorce. And, or husbands would, would do this intentionally just to, to get the divorce, and it, it happened actually to, uh, to Agatha Christie. Um, which is, is very interesting. And she actually had some commentary on the Edith Thompson thing as well. Uh, so this was the Matrimonial Causes Act, and men would hire, or somebody would hire an anonymous girl to spend a night with a man. Traditionally in Brighton. I don't know what's, what's the deal with Brighton, but this is apparently where, where, where shit goes down. Traditionally in Brighton. This is, this is where you go when you want to fuck. <laughs> I would think Bristol. <laughs> no, no, Brighton. Our English listeners will get that. And this was... I, I don't, so I... Bristol is English slang for a woman's chest. Oh! I gotta, 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 yeah. gotta, 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 yeah. it. Um, and then, then a, a divorce could be gotten without having to say the real cause, which, you know, could be any number of things. So it could be, you know, infidelity. Um... So Agatha Christie's first husband, he didn't want to name his girlfriend 
in the divorce petition. So he did it this way. And Agatha actually was the one who ended up, you know, she, she, she felt this, you know, deep. She, it, it was shame, shameful for her. She never again took communion in church. So yeah, it was, it was some crazy, crazy shit. Um, that was the Matrimonial Causes Act. And, but you know, you had, you had women doing this too. There's a ridiculous story from this book, the same book that I mentioned earlier. Um, Edwina Mountbatten. Of course. Of course, it was an Edwina Mountbatten. Edwina. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and quote this directly. Whose butler asked her, but what shall I do with the other gentleman? When a third lover turned up while she was entertaining one in her bedroom and keeping another at bay in the drawing room. So some women could apparently get away with this, but only if your name is Mountbatten. You of know. course, or Edwina. Edwina, but not Edith. They're so close. It's so close. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem fair. She's just a few letters away from being able to get away with this. Really, yeah. Fred... Fred goes to sea. Yeah. Fred goes, you know what? I can't deal with not being with her. I'm going to go back and join the Merchant Navy again. And Edith writes Fred a lot. A ton. A A ton. From September of 1921 to September of 1922, the letters are fast and furious coming Mm -hmm. out of Edith. Like, spending a lot of money on papers and what I imagine to be quills and inkwells and fountain pens and... And that was, that was most of their relationship, too. Yeah. Like, they, they, he only had, he only had uh, like, a few leaves and, uh, like, and they, like, shore leave and, and they weren't very long. Think of this as sexting. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, with maybe some murder plotting or imaginary murder plotting, it's what, really hard to tell. What do you call um, murder text? Murder... Mexting. Mexting. Yeah, <laughs> so... Um, in the exhibits, to give you some numbers, uh, 27 uh, of her letters were used uh, as exhibits in, in the trial. Uh, and three of his, because he didn't destroy her letters. And in addition to that, another 23, sorry, 29 of Edith's letters survive in addition to the 27. So you have math, and I'm an English major, 50. Around 60. 61, 61. Yes? No. Yeah. 29 and 27. 50. Six. Seven? <laughs> 29 and 27. It'd be if, 56. Okay. Hold on here. Wait. I have a calculator right on the computer. I'm bringing it up on my flip Two? phone. I'm and not even lying. I have a f- 56. It's 56. Yes, it's 56. <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus. Yeah, just if you want some entertainment, try and watch an English major try to do math. It's it's hilarious. So it's very funny. So, yeah, their their relationship was mostly by correspondence. And, yeah, she would write some of these. Some letters would just be one line, just dashed off really quick. Um, interestingly enough, she had a habit of writing them in the bathroom, which I was like... <laughs> You spend a lot of time in the bathroom, people are going to start to wonder. Dear Hustler. (laughs) (laughs) And. My dearest Fred was out on. Some of them would. Victorian Hustler. Victorian Hustler, yes. We need to see that, that. yeah. Oh my god, look at this. She's showing her ankle. (laughs) (laughs) That harlot. And then. And then some of them would be a couple thousand words long. Yeah, it was... Yeah, she would really just... And she would dash them off in different parts of the day, you know, like a little bit here at work, a little bit here at home, over the course of a couple days. But yeah, she really... She wrote a lot. I know this because I read a lot of what she wrote. You filthy, filthy girl, you, Edith. 
And uh, Percy was still on to this, you know. He, he still knew that something was going on. Well, yeah, the paper's constantly missing in the household. <laughs> where's, this, where's the damn stationery? <laughs> I had the stationery with the unicorns on it. Edith, what did you do with it? And would you get out of the bathroom? <laughs> I have to use the new. <laughs> what are you doing in there? You're riding him, aren't you? <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Yes, yes. He. I love you, Percy. <laughs> that was um, magical. <laughs> Thank you very much. He he threatened to cut all this correspondence off. He he threatened to you know like make like not allow her to write, not allow her to get any of his letters. So she. I will no longer buy paper for this household. <laughs> not not of the stationery or the toilet variety. You will wipe with your hand. <laughs> Rinse it off with the cucumber watermelon soap that I bought the other day. Well, fancy. (laughs) Edith started having Freddie send her messages via a pseudonym, uh, Miss Miss P. Fisher, which it took me a while to glom on to why the P. It was because his nickname for her was, and I could never figure out how to pronounce this. Did you see it? I did not see this. He called her P.I.D.? It's P.E.I.D.I. I think they actually mentioned that in, and you need to listen to this. We're going to put a link up on our Facebook page to this. This, there is a radio drama that somebody on YouTube produced called Darling Petey. P-E-I-D-I. Let's go with Petey. Okay, they say Petey in there? I believe so. Let's go with that then. Yeah. Jamie Morrison, it is wonderfully produced mm-hmm. it is an amazing radio drama based on based on edith, edith thompson and freddie bywaters and they actually use some of her letters in fact the very first thing you hear in the radio drama is someone narrating one of her letters it is an amazing hour and a half long and it is criminally underviewed 3.3 thousand views. Let's send some views their way because Please. that it, it, it is, yeah, it's, it's, I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but I, I trust Scott's taste and I'm going to watch the whole thing. So, okay, well, I might because, like I said, I've read a lot. I might be I, willing to move on after this. I thought she was going, well, maybe I don't trust Scott's I taste. I do trust Scott's taste, and that's why without even seeing it, I'm going to go ahead and recommend it. So, it has the Scott and Christie's stamp of approval. The Christie one's a little more ignorant. Um. But it's, if you are a fan of the old radio dramas like The Shadow, if you're a fan of things like Inner Sanctum Mysteries, uh, if you're a fan of Lights Out by Arch Obler, you are going to love Darling Petey mm-hmm. by Shaylee St- uh, Stephenson. It yeah. is go, incredible. Go take a look, take a listen. And so, yeah... Um, it was P.D. Fisher, Miss P.D. Fisher, and, uh, you know, had them send it to the post office, although there were some complications there because we were like, you can't just come up and show up for somebody's mail without any sort of identification. It was a whole big to-do. Um, he also wrote to her at work, which her boss had pretty much kind of figured out what was going on. Her family had pretty much figured out what was going on, but nobody said anything, and it was all very couched in, in, in gentle it's, terms. It's the horrible secret that everyone knows. Like, in my family, everyone knows Uncle Lou fucked a chicken. <laughs> or do we talk about it? No. <laughs> I hope you're being funny. <laughs> of course I am. It wasn't a chicken. It was a duck. I didn't want to bring that up. No, not ducks! <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, I don't even have an Uncle Lou. In November 1921, so this is... that He left their house August 5th of 1921. In November of 1921... Uh, 
Edith and Freddie meet up again. And he says, you know, have you asked him for a divorce or separation? She says, yes, yes, I have many times. He refuses. And keep in mind, she still needs a secondary reason other than, like, he, she needs him to bring it, basically. Bring up the is, suit for divorce. This is something that witnesses have seen. Yeah. At one point, at one point, Percy screams at her, I know my rights. I know you belong to me. Yes. I'm not giving you a divorce. Yes. Yeah. So he actually saw her as, and once again, it was common back in these days, Edith is a piece of property to be owned. Absolutely, Even yes. as successful and as strong as she was, she was, a, she was a stallion. She was a mare meant to be broken. Basically. Oh, yes, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a horrifying view, but it was so, so very common. And so when, you know, she said he won't give me the, the separation, Freddie went and sat down with Percy and said, you know, you got to separate from her. You got to, you got to set her free. And that's, I think that was one of the times that Percy said, you know, nope, nope. She belongs to me. You know, she's, she's mine. I'm not letting her go. You got to think of like Fred too. Dude, Fred's a man of action. This is a young man. He sits down and, and and with a man like more than 10 years his senior. Yeah. Or, yeah, it, it would be, I think, about 10 years, yeah. um, 10 or 11 years, and says, you know, like, dude, just divorce her, give her to me, <laughs> or whatever. I'll take her. So, yeah. I want her. It's like, look, Percy, I need you to sit down. We're going to have a an open and frank distru- discussion about how I'm taking your wife. It's... <laughs> yeah, it, that was basically what it was. And so, and yeah, yeah, Percy still continued to refuse. Um, and... Then it seems like she got knocked up. Yep. And yep. it seems like that happened sometime around October, November 1921. So around the time that of the you know man-to-man divorce your wife talk happened. Um, and she said some interesting things in her letters that became a question later on for her own for her own lawyers to decide how do we present this do we present this at all is if it's presented by the other side how do we handle this yeah it became a real chess match for the lawyers oh absolutely yeah it was thank you for giving me something at some future date when both you and I are ready so the question of this is is this something to induce an abortion mm-hmm. or or is it poison because that did become sort of a recurring theme in their letters. Oh, yeah. At one point, she's talking about how she put ground glass from a light bulb and poison into Percy's mashed potatoes. But she does tend to... to she, she sidles around it mm-hmm. very much. Um, it, it, it's stuff like... Uh, She'll say, I wish we had not, in in a letter, she said, I, I wish we had not got electric light. It would be easy. I'm going to try the glass again occasionally when it is safe. I've got an electric light globe this time. Which, she's, she never says it outright. Um, and another thing is, is that some of the things in her letters were proven to be false. Yeah. She would recount conversations that she had with her family, and her family was like, no, we didn't have those conversations at all. And these were like groundbreaking conversations about, you know, like, her relationship with Freddie and such. And they were like, no, that, like, these would have been big family blow-ups. And they said, no, that didn't happen at all. So she was, she seemed to be prone to flights of fancy. And there were questions as to whether this whole poisoning, you know, killing with ground glass, whatever, whether that was part of it. I like to think that she did it, and Percy was just too boring to even die. Hmm. The thing is, is that the, uh... 
the autopsy did not bear it out. Yeah. And who did the autopsy? Well, the second after the, you know, they exhumed the body. Spilsbury! There he is, my boy. Good old Spilsbury comes back to see us again. Christy to say it. <laughs> Spilsbury. Spilsbury. No, Christy goes with the flourish. Spilsbury! Yeah. I'm just so excited to see Bernard Spilsbury again. The Spilsbury Doughboy. <laughs> so. She she fainted at work in November at one point in time. Although she did, have... <laughs> I like to think oh. it was that. No, it was the someone the... bring the smelling salts. Yes, the, the swooning with the the hand across the forehead. Um, and but she seemed to be judging by her letter. She seemed to be still pregnant in January of that year. She she hadn't done it or had a miscarriage or whatever happened. Um, he's on leave in January. The day after he leaves. It happens. She loses the baby. So it's it's very much... They did not actually bring that up in court. Um, and it, it, especially in the Times, it definitely would have gone against her even more so than everything else did. And so, yeah, it was it was very much... There were there were comments that she made to him, uh, to Freddie, that she was trying to keep Percy off for, for the month which would seem to imply that, that it's very confusing, which would seem to imply that she wants to make sure that paternity can be established as being the, the baby being Freddie's. Mm-hmm. But then she wants to also get rid of it. And possibly it, it's just, it's all very confusing. And, and you can understand how also, you know, she seems confused a lot of the time. You can understand why he would be confused. Yeah. Freddie would be confused. Yeah. <laughs> He's being pulled this way and that and left and right. And she's trying to make him jealous sometimes by mentioning lunches with other men and, and stuff like that. And, and even st- telling him like, you know, oh, I submitted to, to Percy, which basically like, oh, I started having sex mm-hmm. with him again. She's telling uh, Freddie when she's fucking her husband and again. This poor guy is still possibly just, not willingly. Yeah. She's just a kid. He's just a kid. Yeah. You yeah. know, granted, he's a kid who's, like, going out there having amazing adventures, like, rescuing 20 marooned geishas from an island on his yeah. private merchant navy boat and and fighting, like, eels and, and vampire bats. This is the stuff that I imagine Freddie Bywater did. <laughs> and in the, in, the, in the book that I read, it seemed to just kind of almost take it for granted that he would be, like, far more experienced than her and also have been, you know, like, familiar with... with brothels and bordellos and all the different, you know, isn't? cat houses and <laughs> whatever. Who, hasn't, who amongst us hasn't enjoyed the company of a paid woman? I'm going to go ahead and raise my hand. I... <laughs> I... No, my family can listen to something. No, that, that this sounds even worse. No, I'll just, I'll just say I... I think Christie's <laughs> enjoyed the presence of a paid woman. I had fun at a strip club once, but there was... I was definitely paying the woman, but it was not, you know, I was not having sex with anybody. <laughs> so I'll just put that out there. And then there seemed to be... In their, in their letters, especially, obviously hers, because we have hardly any of his, because she did the smart thing and destroyed them, Freddie. Um... She there seems to be some pulling away on his part. And during like the spring, summer-ish fall, like she's basically like he's 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 saying, you know, for your own good, try to go a day without thinking about me or something like that. And she's saying, you know, she's basically like almost begging him at sometimes and then sometimes trying to use jealousy to get him you know back in her mm-hmm. clutches and everything. And it it seems very it, it seems to be this dance, this game, which I think is very much what this relationship was. It was a dance and a game. I honestly don't believe 
the poisoning thing. I think she was just trying to make this whole like dramatic thing where he would think that Freddie would think that she would do that for him. I love this because you're showing your side and I'll be showing my side later uh-huh. because you're showing the fact that you are like a young teen author mm-hmm. because That's like true. you yeah. are super focused on all the letters and the romance. Well, I skipped all that. There shit was a I, lot of that shit in the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I skipped all of that when October 3rd, 1922, someone's going to die. Yeah. Let's go ahead and, and get to that. Yeah. Um, so Octo- by, spoilers, October 3rd, 1922, Someone gonna die. Although, wait, before we do that, actually, I should do one more letter because the the letter before that um, is very. Uh, I put uh, full of red flags that could be misinterpreted by Freddie, um, and also we need to mention the the September. Uh, she got a note in September. Um, he was he was due to come home on leave in a couple of weeks. She gets an anonymous note. Did you read about this? I did not. Oh my gosh, it's so something, all right? Okay. It's addressed to Miss P. Graydon. So, P for Petey, mm-hmm. Graydon, her maiden name. Petey. Oh, hang on, now I gotta actually find it. Damn okay. it. Um, I, thought I, I thought I had it. Oh, it, it's right here. If you wish to remain the friend of F. Bywaters, be careful. Do not attempt to see him or communicate him when he is in England. Believe this to be a genuine warning from a well-wisher. It's signed, a well-wisher. And I have, there's theories, there's theories upon theories. Was it him trying to put her off and trying to scare her off because he felt like this had gone too far? Nah. His mother was, there was a, uh, she definitely knew what was going on. You know, she could have sent it because um, Edith was, and that's what Edith thought, because it was posted from where uh, West Ham, where Freddie's mother was known to go every Wednesday on a Wednesday. Um, or was it just, a, who, who do you think? I think if I would put it down to, it's going to be one of two people. It's going to be Edith's brother. Okay. Because he was friends. Yeah. He was friends with Freddie. Mm-hmm. So he's going to know. So I feel like my feeling actually runs towards possibly her sister, Avis. I was actually thinking that too. Yeah, the scorned sister. Avis, it's going to be Who could, would have access, you know, to maybe had seen their letters, maybe knew more than, than Edith let on. You know, they were, they were close and, and Edith did seem to feel some guilt, even though she would sometimes be a little scornful, you know, much the triumphant woman, the woman who had won the prize um, in her letters. But there seemed to be a, a complex relationship there. Strong, but complex. Have you ever been in the whole forbidden relationship, like in love with somebody you're not supposed to and they have the feelings back for you? No, I've never. Mm-mm. You said no one knew their name. Whenever you finally get someone to talk to about the person you're not supposed to be with. She absolutely had a confidant. Yeah. She absolutely had a confidant. <clears throat> and Avis would have great reason. I bet reason. Freddie did too. I bet yeah. Freddie did too. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, somebody on the ship, something like that. Yeah. And you start to get lost in it. Mm-hmm. You start to get lost and you sit back and you start to spill your guts. And I could see him going and Petey this and Petey that and Petey... And then it becomes clear to whoever's listening, oh, there it is, Petey. And I bet that meant something to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, to, to that person that they knew how to spell it correctly, the whole shebang. 
Yeah. Yeah. And she had to have. I absolutely, I do, do not think that she was capable of keeping this completely to herself. And I think Avis would be the, the most likely target. And she, yeah, she, I, I do feel like we have to, before we move on to the court court and everything, the murder and all that, very soon. Um, but Christy's like, we're getting on. there. Oh. We're getting to the murder. I yeah. promise. Are we there yet, Christy? And I don't know if I, it's going to be, it's going to be some, this is the most erotic of the, the, the letters, and it seemed like, according to the conjecture, this this book had a lot of conjecture and speculation, which is fine. Um, that's the point of it. Fifty Shades but, of Murder. Yeah, basically. Um, they, they basically speculated, um, the author speculated that this was probably, maybe, you know, the, they, they had sex sometimes on, on his leave prior to the, the murder, and possi- possibly sort of in public, in a park, mm-hmm. or pseudo, you know, almost in public. Um, in public, but out of sight. Not definitely not in sight. <laughs> that would have caused a fucking stir, and people would have remembered. Have, um, I've never really gotten into the whole sex in public thing. Like, okay, two times, two times, I've done the whole sex in public thing. Mm-hmm. Once as a teenager, and once a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that revelation. <laughs> You're the one, the one as a teenager, I'm very embarrassed about. I'm a little, I'm, I'm more than a little ashamed. It was a horrible thing to do. It was absolutely horrible. I got a blowjob, uh, in front from my girlfriend while her blind grandmother was sitting oh, there to Jeopardy. Shit. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Oh, that would God. be. I'm pretty. I'm pretty no. ashamed about that one. Pretty ashamed about oh, that. Oh my. Yeah. Uh, and now I have to read this. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Thanks. Let's see if Edith can top this. So it seemed like this was probably, she might have either come close to or actually had an orgasm. Because this was definitely the most erotic they got. Okay. And she's just, and this is just right before, like a couple days before the murder that she's writing this, a day or two before. Uh, I only know how I felt. No, not really how I felt, but how I could feel if time and circumstances were different. It seems like a great welling up of love, of feeling, of inertia. Just as if I am wax in your hands, to do with as you will, and I feel that if you do as you wish, I shall be happy. It's physical purely, and I can't really describe it. But you will understand, darling, will, won't you? You said you w- knew it would be like this one day. If it hadn't, you would have been disappointed. Or no, if it hadn't, would you have been disappointed? Darlingest, when you are rough, I go dead. Try not to be, please. That's... <laughs> A lot to take in. My darling friend. There is so much to unpack. It's like a sneeze, but down there. <laughs> Don't make me spit out my drink on the microphone. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely. I think I think there's no coincidence that it seems like they had finally, you know, like almost hit their a, yeah hit their rhythm. Yeah, and then so soon afterward. He became so passionate that he did what he did. Yeah. Which, let's finally talk about the fucking murder let's after we've talked the, about the fucking. <laughs> let's get to the crimey in the old time. Timey crimey, crime-y. yeah. So, October 3rd, 1922. The uh, Thompsons go to the Criterion Theater. Yes. They, they go, they see a little bit of something, something. The Criterion Theater is in Piccadilly Circus. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they decided to call it a circus. It's not really a circus. No bouncing act. Uh, no clowns, which is a good thing. Clowns give me the creeps. No elephants that we know of. Excellent. Not even, what is a Piccadilly? Yes, a 
that's an excellent question. Yeah, what is a Piccadilly? My grandfather's favorite place to eat in in the town where he lived was called the Piccadilly. So that's what I always think of. I think I think of like a cafeteria style, um, like like lunch like the lunch line type thing where you get a tray and then you go through this you know buffet type thing and yeah. Let's find out what a Piccadilly is. It feels like it would be. I really think we need to concentrate on the murder. No. <laughs> oh, uh, what is a Piccadilly? What is a Piccadilly? A Piccadilly? Oh, it's just the road. Oh. It's just the road. It's just an English just thing the where they, they call things by weird names. Yeah. Okay. Said the I, Americans I, I, <laughs> who stole parts of every single language on the planet. Yeah, but we made it ours. <laughs> yeah. Like America itself. So so Piccadilly, yeah. Piccadilly, Circus, and um, the, they go to the theater with a, a, another couple, her mm-hmm. relatives, and... About 11 p.m., they leave the theater. 11.30, they catch the train. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get off the train. They walk down Belgrave Road, and a man jumps out from the, behind the bushes and just fucking stabs Percy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and honestly, that's probably the most interesting Percy's ever been at that very <laughs> moment. There's a couple witnesses, and it seems like the... Uh, it seems like there was a bit of a fight. Um, it was... There. Um, That's what she said. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> pretty much. Um, his uh, the blood actually trailed from where it, it, the attack started north, uh, pulling along every two to three steps. It was like a stop-start pattern. Um, and then in the middle of the road, there's a six-foot jet of blood sprayed towards the curb. Um, Somebody hit an artery. Yeah, basically, right. Yeah. It was in the neck, yeah. Um, because what they found was, and I'm going to go ahead and, and quote this directly again from Laura Thompson's book, four slight cuts on the left of the torso, two slight cuts on the front of the chin, two slight cuts on the right of the jaw. So stuff happening in the front, mm-hmm. okay, which is important. Those were all superficial. There were also three deep cuts. One on the inner side of the right forearm was a slight, it was a slash measuring, let me start that again. One on the inner side of the right forearm was a slash measuring three and a quarter inches long, which had cut the sleeve of the jacket into two pieces. And his whole suit was just a zigzag of cuts. Um, At the back of the neck was a stab wound two inches deep, one and a quarter inches wide, passing upwards towards the right ear. On the right side of the throat was another stab, one inch long, two and a quarter inches deep. That was the one that penetrated the carotid artery and the jugular vein, so carotid and jugular you're fucked you're done you're done by percy yeah. penetrated um uh, through which blood flowed into the stomach later found to contain about a half pint of blood this wrote the surgeon was the wound that proved fatal so and there were there were some some witnesses that saw or heard things happen really it was it was mostly just like other people going home from the theater or other engagements um, somebody heard it, a woman's excited, they, they always use excited when they, they mean like agitated mm. or upset, but excited voice, uh, at different times during the day. Um, and, and the thing is, is that Freddie had just been at Edith's parents' house where he was known to go and hang out during leave. He had just made a date with Avis for the next day. Yeah. This is so weird. Yeah. What the hell was going through his head? I have no fucking clue. <clears throat> and it was... It was weird, too, because the police get there, and Edith 
Edith is beside of herself. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But at one point, she goes, he's fallen ill. Well, she said that, I think, when she first ran to grab a witness, somebody yeah. who was nearby, to get a doctor. Because he, he was also vomiting. Um, probably, you know, like all the, the, the blood to his stomach yeah. or just the, 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 the severe shock or whatever. He was also no, vomiting. it was definitely the blood to the stomach. Okay, all Have right. you ever swallowed blood, like I, a large amount of your own blood? I'd like to not think about that ever again, actually. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> large amounts I never of, have, and I hope I never Large amounts do. of blood will make you very nauseous. Okay. Um... So yeah, he and they they did say like there was there was vomiting, there was blood, it was both, and so she, who knows what was in her head at the time? Whether she you know was thinking it was Freddie, he he did that, and I need to try and cover it up. So she you know just said he's fallen ill, or whether she was just in such a daze that it had happened that she was just like, this is what I'm seeing. I mean, she she may not have been able to see the the stabbing and the scuffling, but she's seeing the vomiting, right. and she may not even be able to see the, the the blood in the in the darkness. It is it is eleven thirty at night. Yeah, later later. Yeah, than it's that. around it's... Uh, midnight or twelve thirty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, police investigate, and they believe they believe Edith. They believe that she doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Until they find the love letters. Yes, they find. Um, it's, it's very much a, uh, it's interesting how they end up finding them. Um, it, it, the first tip off comes from one of Edith's coworkers, actually. Avis had gone down. This is why I have a hard time believing anything bad of Avis. Cause she had actually gone down to Carlton and Pryor, the, the milliners and said to Rose, you know, will you, um, take the, the, the box and this other thing from, from Edith's desk and take them home, and I'll let you know when I, you know, I'm, I want them to be taken into my possession. And Rose kind of, she she went another way. She made a statement to the police that on Wednesday or Thursday of that week, so uh, a day or two after the murder, um, and she said, when I heard of the Ilford murder. Avis said she went to her, to Rose, and Rose said, no, when I heard of it, uh, I... I I went to Mrs. Thompson's desk and took possession of a small tin box, locked, a book, and inside the book was a photo of Bywaters, and also in the desk was the letter, which I had addressed to Miss Fisher. That was how she had managed to get a hold of the letters, he, you know, that he was sending her by a pseudonym at the post office. They did a little trickery. Mm-hmm. Mr. Carlton, their boss, asked me about it. I told him what I knew, and he gave me the letter, which I later burnt together with the photograph. I took the boss box. So... She basically, like, went to the police and kind of was like, so there's letters. And you, you, essentially, you know, that's what she's telling them without telling them. There's Mm. letters and you need need to look into this. And they found uh, the letters in a locked box in his his room on the ship. And that was the beginning of the end. Yeah. They go to trial. Yes. They go to trial. And it is... A cause celeb. Oh my gosh. There was a black market for tickets. Yeah. People, the unemployed people would queue up starting the afternoon the day before. So trial's still going on of, of, of you know, a Wednesday's trial or whatever. And people are queuing up for Thursday. I'm so sounding, British sounding with my queuing and everything. Um, to sell seats to society women for five pounds. Isn't this... Doesn't this just scream of the class disparity that society women are buying tickets for five pounds and meanwhile Freddie's making six pounds, you know, like, like doesn't that just scream class disparity? It's, it's a beautiful, it's kind of a beautiful thing whenever you stop and think about it. Because 
so many people say that we're savages mm-hmm. nowadays. Things aren't the way they used to be. No. Things are the way they have always, always, always been. been. We are ghoulish. I've said it before. We are addicted to drama. We love it. It's It satisfies our, our basest impulses and needs. And... You know, the the higher the drama, the closer it, the better. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And this was high, close drama. And it was it was a woman and a man being charged together, sitting in the courtroom, listening to a policeman, a, a, a detective inspector or detective sergeant maybe, um, read out the letters she had written him aloud. It was the height of scandal and oh, yeah. drama. He sometimes is changeable. That's okay. That's okay. Don't mind us. There's just a cat who can't decide whether he wants to be in this room or not. You know, a cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Basically a cat being a cat. And it's the thing. Well, you know, we're, you know, uh, uh, in another sense, the, it can go in the other way of going, well, we're not like that today. Bullshit, we're not. Absolutely. The OJ trials. School shootings. School shootings should not be the lead story. On any news thing. Well, there's there's arguments either way. There's arguments that it promotes more of them, and there's also arguments that if we don't know they're happening, then no action will ever be taken, and it w- there won't even be thoughts and prayers. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, so it can really you can you could argue either side of that. I think I've been a journalist. I've been a journalist on an absolutely ghoulish case that was honestly the, the reason that I decided not to pursue pursue journalism as a career. Uh, it bleeds its leads yeah. is a horrible philosophy to have to live by, but it's true because of, for a reason it's, it, it, it works for a reason and you can't expect an organization, especially in a capitalist society, an organization that's there to make money to say, no, but this thing that a lot of people will, you know, look at and therefore give us ad clicks and whatever, we we won't talk about that. It's it's just it just doesn't work, unfortunately. I remember the first time I was actually disappointed in my parents. Hmm. I was eleven years old and they bought a police scanner. And I thought it was really ghoulish. We had a police scanner in the newsroom. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a big part of the ghoulish story is that there was a reporter who was there in the night times who didn't like to uh, have it on, so she would turn it off. And so we didn't realize it was off the entire next day, and a big story happened. And I ended up working like a 16. It was awful. It was, mm. no, it was, yeah. It was, and it wasn't entirely, I can't blame her. It, they are annoying. Um, although we have scanner apps on our phone and every time we hear like sirens nearby, we're, what's going on? Yeah. You, and you do want to know what's going on. If there's, if there's a fucking fugitive in my area, I want to lock my goddamn doors right. or double check that they're locked. I do lock them hardcore. Um, but, I live in the city of Johnstown. I change my locks every couple of months. Yeah, right? Just in case. Just in case. Just in case a criminal happened to find a key. So, yeah, we, d- we just want to know what, what, what's going on. But people wanted to know what, the, the dirty, dirty details They wanted here. to smell the body odor coming, mm-hmm. off of the, coming off of them. They wanted to get close. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were... Actually, I mentioned the, the letters earlier in the number. I actually have a number of how many pages were typed of the letters and I would like you to guess this is my favorite thing to play guessing games how many pages type so we've got 56 letters plus 3 of his plus 3 of his well no um, 27 of hers actually has exhibits 29 of hers didn't make it into the trial okay so 27 so about 30 letters altogether about 30 letters altogether I am going to say 30 letters 
Doing the math in my head. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I'm going to say around 790 pages. Oh, well, you just way blew past the mark. Okay. 120. 120. 120, yeah. See, I was kind of going like, like she seems obsessed with Freddy. So I was going 10 to 20 pages for each one. Yeah, but you got, yeah. I mean, hers were handwritten and mm-hmm. these were typed. Is, is, and, and they yeah. also maybe only wanted to include the pertinent parts, not the entire letters, or the parts that they felt were pertinent, which yeah. is something I have words to say about. Um, so yeah, it was, it was very much, um, gawked upon. People were, people were all over this. Um. Well, she's just not trying that if she's only got like 120 typed, you know, you need to up your obsession game. Where's your altar to Freddy in your home? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> well, your altar to Freddy, how about these supposed 900,000 people who signed a petition of mercy for him? For him! The guy who actually had the knife and did the stabbing. <laughs> okay. I, he he kind of became he became a cause celebre. Well, he's a good looking dude. Yeah, yeah. He he commanded attention. He yeah. commanded yeah. He's um, got kind of a Harry Connick Jr. vibe. Yeah, I'm feeling it. Yeah, young Harry Connick Jr. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. He's gonna absolutely. put out a couple Christmas albums later on. Uh, yeah. They'll become standards in the Baxter household in some teen years. Stabbing through the snow. My in- knife goes in the neck. <laughs> oh. I took your wife. On you say what the heck? <laughs> I just uh, I just let him go when he starts doing that because. <laughs> If it's I, going someplace. Exactly. If I stop, I was just going to start singing the actual song because I am not nearly as creative as you are. <laughs> oh, also, no, I pretty like, much... You're creative in a different way. It, a wholly different way. Um, <laughs> a more profitable way. <laughs> I'm just fucking insane. Oh, you think that your songs are not going to be profitable? We're going to make albums, bitch. Right on. Uh, Scott Morton <laughs> sings his killers from before 1950. Yeah. To the Christmas album. <laughs> Almost a million signatures. And he wow. never denied it. He, he he confessed. He said he did. I mean, he, he at first he, he tried to hedge around it with the cops. Because he's got common sense. Yeah, and they did actually. The cops, they pulled a dirty trick. Did you read about the dirty trick? I did not read about the dirty trick. They basically held Edith for a long, long period of time. And once they started to figure out what was happening, then they grabbed Freddy. They actually arrested him from the Graydon's house. He went there to go before his movie date with Avis. He was just acting like everything was normal, sort of. And so they made it. After all this stress, and they, they, they told Edith she could leave now, and then they made it so that there was a meeting, so that they saw each other. And she screamed out something along the lines of, oh, why did he did it? I didn't want him to do it, or something like that. She collapses. She freaks the fuck out. And they engineered all of this. And then they take her away. So she, she's just been within sight of freedom that they never intended to give her. Um, and they're like, we're going to put you in this room for half an hour, and then we're going to come and talk to you. Half an hour! And neither of them had counsel at any point, like, for the, for the longest time. There's no lawyers involved for, for them. If we ever do a murder, and they separate us... <laughs> it's the prisoner's dilemma. Here's what this is what they're do. trying to they're, they're trying to do. Yeah. Here's what we do. We see each other and say, hey, Christy, mm-hmm. hey, Scott, yeah. pass. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you'll know we did the murder when mm-hmm. we're super cash. Exactly. <laughs> we're not going to run. Yeah. We're not going to run. We'll wait about two or three years. Christy will go on vacation to, she'll say Paris, but she's actually going to Hawaii. Yeah. No, not Hawaii. I think you would be better suited for... I 
do actually tan much better than you expect from my complexion. Fair enough. I'm saying you would probably go to Luxembourg. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you yeah. can get to Paris from then. Yeah, sure. Myself, I would say I'm going to California. Yeah. But I would actually end up in Belize. <laughs> There it is. This is our plan. We've said it on the air. You all know now. And we, need, we need to find new places to go. I fucked it all up. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, First, we need to find someone to murder. <laughs> you mean you don't have anybody in mind? <laughs> I mean, somebody else to murder. I mean, I don't have anybody in mind. Not at all. Um, so, no, I don't, I'm not going to murder anybody. Um, so Boring. Yeah. <laughs> You big Percy. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that's going to be a thing. <laughs> so, yeah, and then they basically, like, so they, they broke her down. And the police tried to downplay this in, like, you know, like, memos and in, in the, the, the trial. They tried to make it seem like, oh, she just happened to see him through the glass. And they were like, no, we passed each other. They set this the fuck up. They're trying to do this. And again, I don't know what British laws are now. I don't know what they are then. But still, no counsel, no lawyers to advise them. So it's it's actually it's it's kind of shitty. I mean, like I said, like we said at the beginning, everybody's an asshole. That impl- includes the police. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that again. That includes the police. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the judge. Oh, the judge this was a right dick. Fucking, he was a right dick. Oh, I said I wouldn't do it, but I did. I that was did really it. good, though. <laughs> Thank you. I actually felt it. I was like, oh, wow, that was, that was not half bad. I'm, if, if you're British and you hated it, leave us a five-star review on iTunes telling me that. That's how we'll know. Because I won't read the one star. But if you really liked it, leave another five-star review. May, leave two five-star reviews if you like. Absolutely. It. Create a second iTunes account. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, we'll get to the judge. I wanted to highlight the way that they tested for blood on Freddy's coat. <laughs> because this is so sophisticated in, in that it's not. Um, no, they weren't looking for scopalamine. Um, <laughs> there we go. A little callback to the Crippens. little callback, yes. Um, so they took his coat, and then they took the evening paper. Rip off a corner, soak it in water, put it on the coat. If it turns red... There's blood. <laughs> so you could spill food coloring on yourself or even maybe a little bit of tomato sauce and you might end up getting, you know, caught up for murder. You, you don't know. That's some Harry Potter shit. Yeah. It's wizard. I need a newspaper, some water, <laughs> and the breath of a virgin. <laughs> Breathe on it, my dear. We have none of those here. <laughs> it's England. <laughs> So, yeah, it is, there's, there's some fucked upness here with the police and the way they gather evidence. Um, they, the police also, one way that they showed her that they had her letters was just put her, put the letters on the desk where she was in the office. Be like, just put them on the desk, walk away. Here they are. (laughs) Like she's sitting there probably staring at the stack of letters and not even, you know, like being able to think straight. So it was it was pretty fucked up. And then they go to trial. And it's all right. So the basic rundown of the trial is he does everything he can. They're both charged together. Um, there are actually extra charges giving to her a second set of charges, I believe. Um, 
and uh, it, it, they're both charged with murder and conspiring to murder. And then she's also charged with administering, administering poison with intent to murder, soliciting and proposing t- um, to murder, and soliciting and inciting to conspire and murder. This is all before Spilsbury's report was even issued. Yeah. The whole point of Spilsbury doing, of them exhuming Percy's body and then Spilsbury doing the report was to find out if there was the, the poison, any signs of the poison of the ground glass. So they don't even have that and they're already charging her with, you know, administering poison with intent to murder. They were just in such a hurry to charge this woman that they were like, no, we can't wait on actual information. We have to do it now. Do you think there was a bit of pressure there from society, from journalism? Ooh. In general, absolutely, yeah. She was she was walking around with her, or, or no, she was hanging around in jail with a red A on her yeah. arm, Scarlet A. But Crippen, that whole thing took place that not was long just before, 20 yeah, twenty years earlier. Twenty years, but a whole entire war happened since yeah, then. That's true. You that's know, there true. was a lot, a lot had happened in between. I mean, our attention spans are short, but there, there's you know still twenty years. And it had, it had been, I believe, 15 years since a woman had been hanged in, in England. It was basically, it seemed like, and this was actually uh, written in some places in like letters to the editor and such, the, the idea seemed to be, um, well, you know, if women want equal rights, because they had only just gotten the vote, and that was only for, I believe, women over 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, if women want rights, then they have to have everything else that comes along with it, and that includes the death penalty and, and hanging. Even if you're not, you know, they... they there were like baby killers that got reprieves for God's sakes before that. It was crazy. So yeah, it's like it's it's just it's just nuts. I, I think there was pressure. I think the amount of of, of uh, attention given to the case and the you know both from the public and from the press caused a lot of pressure to just get those charges done. Um, and so the trial happened and he's, he's trying to make sure that it's understood that he did this and she had nothing to do with it. And they're trying in every way possible, you know, the, the prosecution and the judge to make the jury and the public think that all of her letters, everything was done to incite him to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's the extent that the judge's final summary you know, I guess in American court, we, at least from what I know from watching TV, uh, you have, you know, the, the prosecution and the defense, they each give their final statements. It seems like in British court, you have that. And then you have, and here you had two lawyers giving final statements because of the two different defendants. Then you had the judge and he gives a, a final summary. His summary was... Oh, yeah. I read this. Dickish. Yeah. There's so much... There's so much fucking passive voice in here. I want to use this as an example to my students of what not to fucking do. Preach, Christy. It is... No, I'm going to actually, like, read. Um, it. It is said by the prosecution that from beginning to end of these letters, she is seriously considering and inciting the man to assist her to poison her husband. And if she did that, and if you find that within a week or two he came back... After he came back, the poisoning is no longer possible... He has no longer studied or has not studied bichloride of mercury, mercury, all these, there are all these things in their letters, just as an aside, where she would, she would say, oh, read this book, you know, this, this novel, and, you know, what do you think of this particular poison? And then there was this book, Belladonna, that kept coming up, um, 
but has read Belladonna without seeing how Belladonna can be of any use to him, they would naturally turn to some other means of affecting their object. And it is said to you they naturally would when you find them meeting day after day, parting at half past five, meeting the husband at six, and she telling him where they were going, meaning where she and Percy were going to the theater. And he immediately, as soon as he gets an opportunity, if you believe he waited for them coming back and knew they were there, honestly, this is also the longest sentence I've ever read, Gentlemen, you may say here are circumstances following the long-studied incitement for him to help her to poison. Outrageous beyond belief. The leaps across... Oh, no, that's that's the author st- talking. But it is. It's a, there's leaps of logic. Yeah. There's, there's them meeting, which didn't actually happen the same day as the murder. They didn't meet that day. And it was constantly inferred that they did. There's and there's there's talk of their discussion in a tea room that they didn't even talk in the tea room. They just met and then parted ways. It was... Um, and another thing he said, and this is the passive construction that we talked about, it is said that this is what they talked about in the tea room. We have got many things to consider. Shall we run away if we can get the money or shall we try poison? We will talk it over. And then the author goes on to say, it was almost as if he had been there, moonlighting as a waiter at Fuller's. Meanwhile, they didn't even fucking have tea that day. No. Oh my God. Seriously, reading that was just infuriating. This asshole judge... Making mm. up history on the spot. Exactly. And this is the, the last instructions the jury gets before they go to make the decision whether two people should live or die. Mm-hmm. Two. Mm. Mm. I'm angry. You should be. <laughs> you should be. In the council, they urged her not to testify. Oh, they try so hard to get her not she to testify. Hysterical. Shh. Yeah. The poor woman already kind of. She she puts me in the mind of somebody who is mentally not quite there. Mm-hmm. And who can blame her? Who can blame her? She's in an abusive relationship. She's yeah. in love with somebody she can't be with. There was a murder that happened that she was not... And it was a violent one. Yeah. You know, if, if they ever actually discussed... Or if it went beyond flights of fancy, uh, you know, his death, it always seemed to be something, like, less... You know, they say poison is a woman's weapon. Whatever, sexist. We can use knives, too. Um, but it was always something less violent, less, you know, like that, that the, those horrible moments of violence that she, she you know, saw or, or, or was there for. And, and seeing that death in person is different from the, the, you know, melodramatic imagining of somebody wasting away from poison, mm-hmm. you know, as she might have imagined. So, yeah, she's an absolute shock. And she's, she's staring down... A death sentence. She's staring down the hangman. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but she absolutely insisted. She was sure that she wanted she wanted her um, side of the story to get out there. She just did a truly terrible job of actually getting her side of the story was, out there. It was, was it was really, really bad. Um, she was her own worst enemy. She really was. She was she was unclear. Um and then the judge always had this habit of interrupting a big moment that could help the process, or not help the, sorry, I'm sorry, help the defense, especially Edith. Anything that could help Edith. He would interrupt with some bullshit. You know, like the, the Edith's lawyer is talking to her father about some of Edith's letters and some big, interesting, like, revelation in them that would help the defense. Did you see Game of Thrones last night? Basically, yeah, yeah. The, the judge is like, hey, can we get some of those for the jury? <laughs> that was, I don't know what that was. I Forgive me, my, my Britons, for I have sinned. Um, <laughs> my Britons. <laughs> my Britons. My Britons. <laughs> my, my Britons. Um, no, say it like inner city gangster youth. My Britons. <laughs> my Britons. There you go. <laughs> 
so so yeah, she she just really didn't do herself any favors and she didn't not that she could have, but she didn't do him any favors either, you know. Um he seemed to be pretty, you know, he 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 I think he had a few moments of being like, you know, she she I trusted her and she fucked me over a little bit, but he also understood that he was fucked over from the moment he plunged the knife mm-hmm. into Percy's neck, you know. Ugh, I'm sorry, I just have to have a little neck exercise here. <laughs> so, ah. um, so, oh, here was the quote I was looking for from the book. This is the author. This okay. is, she, she's very evocative, uh, the author here, um, in, in many places. It's, it's great, it's a great read if you're just looking for, you know, like, um, a ride through 1920s England, and what the time was like, and the murder itself too. You you get that. You get the trial. You get the whole shebang. It's just for our purposes. It was difficult to gather information because it was quite scattered. But I got a lot more than I, I think I could have otherwise. Um, and also I got things like this. So Edith did what she wanted. She made everybody listen, and watch, and remember her. And that as soon as I said that, I was like, highlight that. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, and it was. I mean, it's really, really, in reading the book, you, you go back and forth. She definitely, I don't think, I honestly don't think she poisoned him. I don't think. And and there there's there's so much that we could possibly get to here. There's there's quinine that he gave her, apparently. Um, there's, there's so much. But she says things that are kind of vaguely, you know, won't you do something, dear? But do something could be anything. Mm-hmm. But she did not work in her own favor because when they said, what did you mean by do something? And she just almost, it was almost like, well, I don't know what I meant. Well, how could you not know what you mean? You wrote the words. But she was so, and I honestly think, I wouldn't be surprised if she was drugged. She was drugged for her execution. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they were, you know, like giving her a couple of needles full of something before the trial because she was upset. I I think maybe the poisoning did happen Poison is honestly a tricky thing. It is tricky, and even Spilsbury was like, I mean, yeah, it could have happened, and there could be no evidence of it after a long period of time, but I just don't think... I don't, I don't see her actually having, you know, the, the being able to do that. Yeah. Um, Our good friend, Grigori Rasputin. She was, she was so <laughs> up in the air. Yeah. She was so up in the clouds, you know, and... and she would also talk about a suicide pact. There was so much like fancifulness and drama in their relationship that he never took seriously. Freddie never took seriously until I really think until you know they really yeah. did the deed in the park or whatever. With with the poison though, like I said, our friend Grigory Rasputin, it's always been a thing of like, oh, he ingested so much cyanide. How did he survive it? Because he liked candy. And he likes sweets. Yeah. And all the all the poison was put into sweet wine mm-hmm. and candied tarts and cakes. And sugar is a natural counter agent to cyanide. And then they tried to kill him four other different ways. But also yeah. history is written by the victors and they wanted to, you know, they might have wanted to put him up as this supernatural thing that was destroying their, their, their empire. So I don't know. He seemed it's pretty hard to super, say one way. He, he seemed pretty supernatural to begin with. I definitely the first time I heard the story of Rasputin's death from that, you know, the the whole like they tried to kill him this way, and then that way, and then that way, and then that way. I was just like my jaw was on the floor. Yeah. It it held my attention. It was also like how he was able to heal. Do you really think the- Percy was eating bunches of candy? Yes. <laughs> the boring fuck? Yes. yes. Grandma candy. Like fucking probably be pink lozenges. 
pink lozenges and those fucking little raspberry things wrapped in strawberry packages or whatever the fuck. Those are actually really good. Um, yeah, they are. So um, <laughs> I'm a grandma. In response to... Uh, so Freddie's on the stand, and they're talking about her letters, talking about the, the ground-up glass, or she, I don't think she ever said ground-up. She did mention light bulbs and breaking in big pieces. Um, he Percy one time complained of a bitter taste in his tea, and... Uh, Freddie always tried to make it. He always t- tried to spin it. He was like, "No, she she meant she meant in her own way that she was talking about suicide when she said, you know, like he she meant that she thought it would taste too bitter. We, you know, she thought that she wouldn't be able to to get a, the the ground glass down. Um, so he was always trying to shield her, even in that way, even from her own words. But that only made him seem like because the, the, everybody thought you know like oh here's this monstrous evil woman she woman she has him in his sway she must have convinced him to murder her husband, and it only makes it seem more true. Yeah, which is they just, it, just they're just out there with shovels and they're digging holes and they're getting deeper and deeper and next thing you know they're six feet down. It's it's absolutely yes, and she was the first woman to be hanged for fifteen years. They gave reprieves to child-killing women. They gave a reprieve to a woman who set her lover on fire with paraffin. Um, another woman, she uh, lured her ex-lover somewhere to be robbed and murdered. They Reprieve after reprieve after reprieve. They could not get a reprieve to save their life. And it was the extent... This is This is what really kills me about, you know... We talk about the ghoulishness of the human spirit, and sometimes that ghoulishness can can find its way to cruelty, and you know maybe it takes a little bit of madness worked in. But this was this was abs- this part this part really got me. Um, so the Gradens they they go to visit Edith the night before she's to be hanged, and there's still hope of a reprieve. Like they don't know any exact hope, but they still hope. They still you we always have hope right up until that minute. You know we always have it right up until we know. And Mr. Graydon, he's entering Holloway Prison, where she was being held. Somebody gives him a message. It's supposedly from an Essex MP named Lord Bethel. I have sent telegram to the Home Secretary and the King for pardon for your daughter. Good news coming. So they go in for their last visit, and they're, you know, we, we there might be some good news, you know? Like, they're, they're, they're trying, you know, like, they're not even really saying their last goodbyes because they don't think it's going to be their last goodbyes. And it's not until they get home. That they realize it, some it, it's it's a fake. Yeah. Some some evil bastard. And poor Edith yeah. is begging her father to just take her home. Yeah, that's all she wants. That's yeah. all she really wants is to go home to two thirty one Shakespeare Crescent. Yeah, which was the her address. She, it was a a very twenties thing how she always referred to her homes like you know her her childhood home by two thirty one by its name or by its number and her. Uh, her house uh, where she lived with Percy, I believe, was 41, if I remember. And then her work was 168. Everything is it's just the numbers, mm-hmm. you know? It's like if I if I called my address, bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> no, I'm not telling you my address. <laughs> 615. No. <laughs> so... So yeah, right up until... There, there's there's attempts. There, there's, there's, they're really trying. But on January 9th, they both go to the gallows. Bywaters is hung 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Simultaneously. Yeah, simultaneously. Not in the same place. They're right. different. He's at Pentonville. She's at Holloway. Only but at the same half time. Mile away. Yeah, yeah. A half mile. On, on like a foggy day, you could probably hear the sound carry. Which you think, 
you think about the fact that they grew up so close to each other. Yeah. And then they spend so much time of their relationship so far apart. Yeah. And then they come almost, almost, almost back together for the very end. And it's just, it, it's, yes, a, a murder took place. Absolutely. Um, again, I'm, my feelings on the death penalty tend to be, to sway with the wind, depending on how horrific a murder podcast I'm listening to. It's, she was hung on inference, on slander, on no actual fucking proof. They could have charged her. They, they could have taken the second set of charges, the one that was separate and just for her, and charged her with just that, which her lawyers tried almost half-heartedly to do. And she would have gone to jail. Sure. Okay. A f- punishment. For for what? I'm not even entirely sure. But because I, I still don't believe that she actually tried to poison her husband. I, I still think she lived a little bit too much in fantasy land and tried to use that to lure uh, Freddie in. And yes, he stabbed a man. Okay. America is a country that has the death penalty. England abolished it. Yeah. In 1965. Yes, in 1965. That was, and the last hanging uh, in, in the UK was in 1964. Um, it's... It's really, it, when you look at the countries that we're alongside with, um, and a lot of them are ones that, that, that if, you, if you had people on certain news channels, would be calling words like barbaric or something like that. Yeah. I'm not saying they are, but I'm just saying that if you look at the, at the countries that Americans themselves, generally, if you wanted, if, they, if you said, hey, average American, list civilized countries. They wouldn't be listing any of the countries that we're on that same list with with the death penalty. Right. So I don't know how the fuck I feel because I've been raised in this country and I've been you know raised with the, with this these same values, but I definitely don't feel that she deserved to fucking hang. I don't think so. She it's, was oh, it's so upsetting. She was hysterical that day. Mm. She was absolutely hysterical. She had to be drugged. They had to give her first something to amp her up, and then something to bring her down. Which side note. Scopalamine strikes again, yes. once again, plus some morphine, which, um... Oh, I've had morphine. Morphine ain't nothing to fuck with. Here, here, they gave it to me before a procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, A, I don't know if it was my anxiety or the morphine, but it kicked in real quick after the morphine. Like, they gave it to me in, in the IV just as they were wheeling me into the room. I started to, like, freak the fuck out. Everything became very clear and sharp, and I got nauseous, and I would not want that while I'm walking to... I, I feel like it's, it probably, like, affects some people differently, and I'm one of those people. I did not... It was... I would never, ever touch that again. And, um... Also, that was the first time I woke up during a procedure, so... Endoscopy. Yank the tube right out of my throat. <laughs> I haven't had the wake up during a procedure thing. Yeah, I've had it during a colonoscopy too. But, uh, <laughs> Don't uh, tell me to stop screaming. I'll scream if I bloody well want to. Oh, I've been reading too screaming. much Brit, Brit lit. <laughs> you stop screaming. Yeah, that's what I should have said. You can, you can even keep that in. I don't fucking care. That was horrifying and people can live it with me. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, it's yep. she was she was distraught. She was she was a fucking wreck. And Absolutely. And they had to she couldn't even stand on the gallows. They put her in a bosun's chair. Mm, I've read differently. And actually either either way, it was basically 
And, and from people who were there at the at the execution, um, some people said that they had to. What's what's a bosun's chair? Is there something I don't a, know? A bosun's chair is it is different from a regular chair? Like a. a kind of, let's, I'm gonna just. It's hard for me to describe, so I'm just gonna bring up a picture of a bosun's chair. Oh, okay. What I have is that they basically they strapped her her ankles together, um, and and her wrist together, which they would at some point for the hanging, but because she was so upset, some people say that they strapped her, like some people who were there say that they strapped her, like, you know, leather straps around mm. um, ankles and wrists inside before they took her out, which was only like seven yards from her cell to right. the, the actual gallows. And some people who say that they did it like, you know, like on the stairs or, or before the stairs, it was, it, the, the, the re- accounts varied and these people, I guess, saw it enough that maybe for some of them it didn't, you know, keep in their minds, but she was, she was very upset. Um, For our listeners, a bosun's chair is kind of like a swing, but it's not. Basically, yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. yeah. Um, but they, they, I don't have any of that in here. And they actually, um, th- this author managed to get a hold of some documents that are not available until 2022 because of the hundred year. Like they, have, I guess, they have a rule with some documents that they can keep that's them hidden up. for. Tw- yeah, it's coming up. That's coming But up. she got a hold of all these. She, she, she was actually able to go and view them. I mean, she couldn't take them out, but she could go and view mm-hmm. them. And this is this is stuff from the hangman, from his assistants, from the that poor hangman. Ah, uh, yeah, that poor hangman. Uh, uh, he was spoilers. He commits suicide. Yeah, this traumatizes the poor hangman so much, who has his own story in yeah. this whole thing that he goes, "I can't live with what I did. I'm a horrible person. I can't deal with it on this plane of existence. So I have to take myself out." Yeah, yeah, he does. He does eventually. Uh, he continues his duties for another year, but eventually uh, he he commits suicide. Um, and it's said that he uh, yelled. This was John Ellis, by the way, the hangman. Uh, he was most upset and completely broken down. He came out shouting, "Oh Christ! Oh Christ!" I mean, "Oh Christ!" is really what you say. But here's the thing. Okay, so I know you're going to bring up. Of course, the, we su- have the to. supposed miscarriage that happened while she was actually in the gallows, or, or while she was being hung. Right. I was curious about this as I came up to this point in the book. I was like, "You, this this book always presents three different sides, and leaves kind of might lean a little towards one or a little towards the other, but lets you kind of decide." Um, so there was a lot um, with this. That, that basically her, um, I hate even saying this, but that her insides had fallen out during the execution. Um, and so it's, it seems like, and then there were, there were other rumors that they made special garments for her um, to make sure that nothing happened. Here's the thing. It's been, it's January. She last saw um, Freddie in October, early October. It's been three months she would notice a missed period, especially because a missed period and a, and a pregnancy would get her a reprieve. She would know. She wasn't that smart about her body, to be fair, but she would. She definitely was on top of her periods. She knew her menstrual cycle. She was supposedly, though, she was gaining weight while she was imprisoned, but she wasn't eating. She wasn't eating. Yeah, that is true. She was gaining weight. She, she gained about 12 pounds. But another thing could be that she... They only, like, you know, weighed her at a certain point. Before that, she had been so stressed that she had lost her normal amount of weight. 
It, I mean, there's so many different possible explanations. It's, it's 12 pounds, and honestly, the female body likes to do what it will with weight, especially as you, like, starting as you approach 30. I swear to God, the day after I turned 30, I gained 10 pounds, and I am not one who gains weight easily. I, but it just, all of a sudden, none of my clothes fit. I was like, what the fuck? I was okay. I was okay with turning 30 until all of a sudden I had to buy a new goddamn wardrobe. Wait till you hit 40. Oh, don't even tell me. Wait you hit 40 and have like a shitload of trauma in your life. I hope you don't have a shitload of trauma in your life. I hope not. <laughs> so. I wish nothing but shitloads of trauma upon all my friends. Somebody would have noticed, and I think the most likely scenario, and the, the author really kind of puts this, uh, two possible possibilities. Um, she she was on her period, lost you know, went through the hangman's job, it comes out, you know, like yeah. basically menstrual blood comes out. Sorry for the super frank talk, but I'm a girl and I've been dealing with it for like a long time. So, hi. Um, I'm uncomfortable now. <laughs> I don't understand this. You guys are okay with I'm, blood when it comes to shooting, but if it's coming out of a girl, all of a sudden it's terrifying. I am, okay. Oh, Here's, this is going to start a bad thing, isn't it? This is probably <laughs> going to start a bad thing. It is... It is something. Here, <laughs> you can't. You can't. You just best not. You just best not. <laughs> I, I have a modicum, and I mean this in the in the very definition of the word. I have a modicum of what it's like to go through a period. Okay. Because I've had kidney stones. All right, and I then see. I've bled afterwards. So having to think right. about doing that every single fucking month. Right. Got it. Right. That's what. So okay. That's yeah. that for me. Otherwise, I would see it as just like, hey, it's a normal biological function. That you know, that's. The but then you, when you realize it's a normal biological function that happens for for most women for twelve months right. a year for like thirty years right. of their life. I've had spotting on my underwear <laughs> from my from my heavy <laughs> flow. <laughs> I've ruined pairs of underwear with my heavy flow. Um, actually, you want to um, feel right? Okay. Right okay, where my finger is? Before, before, before. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah it's before, my arm. This is it's an my audio. Arm. This is an audio form. You want to feel right there, it's Scott? My, after we've been talking about periods, it's my yeah. arm. Okay. Yeah, I feel that. Next one on. Okay. I haven't had a period since October. Fuck yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. It just felt like a really like it's like, just like hard vein. Or, or or like somebody took a really thin matchstick yeah. and like put it like right like, yeah, it's just yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's Yeah. So, yeah, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff, that birth control. <laughs> I've had three kidney stones. I've talked to women who have said Give me a child any day over a kidney stone. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard many times, like, many different causes of pain, um, not childbirth. Or, and, and people have been like, yeah, no, childbirth is worse. <laughs> See, here's here's the thing. for It's, it's one of the top. But yeah. at, at the same time, they also freely give you some drugs. Not always well. But they freely give you some drugs, so it, you know it's kind of like natural childbirth. Yeah. If you talk to a woman with natural childbirth, then I would be like, okay, and that pain scale is a little clearer. Well, that's your own fault. <laughs> <laughs> you made that. Well, unless you're in like a taxi, you know. Yeah, yeah. We gotta get on. With this. Yeah, we do. It's only midnight. No. <laughs> I need a cigarette. Um, so okay, so possibly uh, lost an excess of menstrual blood when she fell through the, you know, when the hanging happened, or. What happens when you die? You gotta shite yourself. Exactly. You gotta yeah. shite yourself. 
And I imagine with the combination of the drugs, a lot of drugs act as anticoagulants. So yeah, it's it's really... We'll never know. As with almost every episode, pretty much every episode, mm -hmm. we'll never know for sure. What we do Until know... on Patreon, we get enough money for that time machine and laser cannon. Exactly. Then I we'll know the so much. I feel laser cannon's necessary. We need to protect ourselves from these monsters. Mm -hmm. Here's one thing we do know. Um, Edith and her sister uh, taught dance lessons at the same time as her father did. Ballroom dancing. A certain... Young Mr. Alfred Hitchcock took lessons there. Later became acquaintances. I'm gonna try it again. Later became acquaintances with Avis Graydon, uh, Edith's sister. After long after the you know the incidents that happened, incidents I talk about it like three people didn't die. The horrifying incidents that happened. Um, and you can see, you know, he he remembered. He he learned ballroom dancing from her father. He remembered her. He remembered seeing Edith popping in and out, being her usual, like, flit-about self. And you can see shades of her in the movie, uh, The Paradigm Case, uh, from 1947. Are you ready for the twist upon twists? Twist me. This is based on a novel by Robert Hitchens. You may not know his name, but one of his novels came up several times in court during the trial. Bella Donna. Motherfucker. One of Edith's favorites. Wow. Yeah. It all loops it's, around. It's seriously, non, it's a Mobius strip yeah. of what the fuck? <laughs> Non-linear causality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. there, there's actually a, a weird theory out there that the reason that you are able to see certain things... Uh, the most famous example recently is all the 9-11 imagery in Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, where it's like Twin Pines and that's Lone Pines. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. The 9 we, and the 11. We also like taking, uh, like categorizing everything mm -hmm. and trying to put everything into a neat box and, we, yeah. We base it, we base it seeing, we base everything. We see patterns. We see patterns, exactly, see, yeah. You have pareidolia. Where uh, it's we force patterns upon things where patterns do not exist. That's why people hear like backwards asking, uh, masking in music, not backwards assing. <laughs> backwards assing. Although I am a fan of a couple of those videos. Ashton Pierce, please call me. You heard it here uh, first. <laughs> but there is a certain there is a certain thing where that nonlinear causality. You start to look at it, and you have to go. That's not just coincidence. It just, you know, it was probably, in this case, it was probably Hitchcock knew about the Belladonna author and the connection to um, Edith. And in addition, the Belladonna author probably knew that his novel was coming up a whole lot. And so he probably, and he wrote basically the, the, the sum up of this story. Just wait until you hear it. Oh, it's going to sound rather familiar to you. Um, the sum up of this story is... Uh, Mrs. Paradine is a woman of imperishable romance and allure, uh, not one of H Hitchcock's doll-like blondes, but an enigmatic exotic. Hmm? In love with a handsome younger man, 
and accused of the slow poisoning of her husband. She arouses her defense counsel to a hopeless, self-destructive passion and excites in her judge an eroticized desire to condemn her to death. However, the difference is that Mrs. Paradine is guilty as charged and hangs for something she actually did. Thank you, Laura Thompson. You're kind of awesome. Um, So that's the movie. Doesn't that sound fucking familiar? Written by one of her favorite authors who wrote a book that was talked about in her her case and then was eventually made into film by a man who learned dance from her father. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's it's, it's the the web. I feel like I'm Charlie on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with, you know. It's the Matrix. (laughs) It's deja vu. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that is my, I, I make sure I don't have any quote unquote fun facts. Um, I don't think I have anything else that is Yay. really pertinent, but I think we've pretty much covered as much as we're going to cover in it's, this very long episode. At least to us. Christy went deep on this one. No more reading books for me. Oh, I stopped. I stopped following my notes an hour and a half ago. <laughs> so, well, just got so much more. I don't even know why I fucking bothered. I'm honestly. sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. It was a really interesting book. I highly recommend it. It's very evocative. It very much places it in the context of the times. It paints a picture of Edith that makes you feel like you grew up with her. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, my, own, my main qualms with it was that when I was doing my research, I was like, this is really hard hard to use for linear narrative storytelling, you know, <laughs> which is essentially what we try to do, even though as we veer, you know, like, veer off the road this yeah. way into, you know, like, colonoscopy tangent or whatever the fuck we're talking about this time. So, yeah. Um, By the way, colonoscopy tangent is the name of my progressive rock group. <laughs> I hope it's not the name of your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually a perfect note to end things yeah, absolutely. on. Absolutely. Christy, do you have any plans this week? Um... I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna plant some shit this weekend. I'm gonna plant some. It's 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 springtime. It's time to to put some stuff in the earth and then watch it grow. I'm see, excited. It sounds can, like I'm stoned. I swear to God, no, I don't do pot. You can't see this. I think three beers in. I think Christy has a little bit of a buzz. <laughs> but we've been recording for over two hours, <laughs> and this one is also a very strong IPA. So <laughs> I'm gonna have much more of a buzz in a little while. How about you, Scott? What you up to? You know what? I, uh, I've i got a couple of Transformers on the way to me. I nice. increased the collection this week by four. So I'm such a loser. <laughs> you are not. Absolutely. Everybody has their thing. Yeah. Have you seen my room? Oh. Like, I've got Star Wars. I've got hockey. No. I've got more Star Wars and more Star Wars. It's, Some, there's someday. nothing I have. I have in that closet a 25th anniversary Star Wars edition of the Star Wars magazine, which, by the way, I was a subscriber to, okay, in my teens, and would continue to be a subscriber, except I don't think they have it anymore. I don't know. I think they do. Uh, not, I need I, to get back on that. Seems like it might be a website now, though. Probably, Doesn't yeah. It? Yeah. No, uh, my big plans this week are, are clean and work. Yeah. Clean and work. Maybe go on a date. It's adulting. You. If I, I, I can't, I'm kind of talking to this one girl from uh, from about half an hour north of here in Indiana. Nice. So we'll see if we go on a date. But I'm kind of I'm kind of timid about it. Hmm. Uh, because she she's been told that she won't live past eighteen, like the age of eighteen. But she's twenty two now. I'm I'm hoping. No, I'm not actually. Um, 
by doctors or by fortune tellers? By doctors. Okay, because some uh, people hear it from fortune tellers. Yeah. Um, Just like the gypsy woman said. <laughs> but yeah, she's 22 right now. Yes, it is a little bit young for me, but fuck it. A little bit young for me. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I hope it goes well. I hope, I understand well, your timidity. Exactly. I get it. But I, I hope, I hope everything is wonderful and has a far, far better ending than... Everything we talked dear, about today. Dear God, it almost have to. It almost it? has to. Yes. It, no, it doesn't almost have. It has yeah. to. Absolutely. Well, you know what? There were several fires, and uh, <laughs> some people did lose their lives. But you know what? Nobody got hung, and their insides fell out. Yeah. So right. I yeah, guess you, you it's find a, your wins. It's, it's a win. Yeah. Yeah, we find our wins where we have them. So, all right, so follow us on Facebook. At Old Timey Crimey, we have a Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter, Old Timey Crimey there also. Guess what? No surprise. And, yeah, I guess that about wraps it up for this week. Absolutely. Christy, thank you for this. You thank you. Ass load of research. This has been... <laughs> it was my break. It was my, my school's done study time because I'm a fucking nerd. Absolutely. <laughs> this has been, this is honestly a highlight of my week. This is Same here. Absolutely. To. Yeah. And you know, listener, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. We yeah. love you guys so much, honestly. We are so happy to have you guys listening to us every week go off on our wonderful and tangents. We're seeing the numbers rise, and it's yeah. astounding to see those numbers rise. Please let us know. Let us know what you love about us. Let us know what you hate about us on the Facebook page. Let us know, let us know topics that you think we should cover. Absolutely, yeah. Anything before 1950, give us those murders, give us those crimes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to... It's old-timey crimey, not old-timey murdery. Exactly, exactly. So, I just want to say, once again, thank you so much for thank listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you guys. Love you. Have a great week, everyone. Bye, guys. Edith separating or divorcing. (laughs) Anyway, is that your commentary?